the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
One of the greatest scourges on the human race is slavery. It totally dishonors the Lord Jesus Christ, and God hates it. Every people, every race, has been subject to the wickedness and the cruelty of slavery. Asians, blacks, whites, Indian, every race. 
Today, reports say there is more slavery in the world than at any other time in history. It's not surprising. Men want to use other people for their own advantage. And if that means taking them captive and forcing them to serve, they will do that. They will even sell one another into the bondage of another person. I cry out for the day when slavery is entirely eradicated worldwide. I know that day is coming. Now, there is a step before slavery, and that is racial hatred. Right now, it's very popular to hate the Chinese people. That's foolishness. Yes, they have evil leaders. They have ungodly leaders. They are those leaders persecuting and killing, murdering Christians and many others. It's popular today to to hate Russia. Or it's popular today to hate somebody else. It's popular in America to hate blacks. It's popular in America to hate whites. We've had a government that has become utterly wicked and turning one people against another. Can I tell you, we're all one people. We're all one people. And it's foolishness to divide one against another. Now, slavery was the scourge of the children of Israel. They were enslaved. They were overpowered by the military power of Egypt. And so for probably two or three hundred years, they were in abject slavery where the slave masters told them what to do and when to do it, caused them to live in hovels. They were hated by the Egyptians, but their labor they wanted. They wanted to use them for their own advantage. I can give you examples of that today. Bill Gates is the same to me as a slaveholder. George Soros, to me today, is the same category as the worst slaver. We have very wicked men and women in power today across the world. And their desire is to enslave. They want you to submit. Submit to a diaper on your face. Submit to an injection. Submit to this and this, or they'll take away your freedom. When they take away your freedom, you're called a slave. The children of Israel were enslaved. There's no easy way to talk about it. There's no pleasant way to speak about it. They did not own their own destiny, and they could not deliver themselves. The Egyptian army was too powerful. They were not armed. 
They could not deliver themselves. Moses, with his power, with his education, in Egypt, thought he could help deliver them. He was in the prime of life. He was 40 years of age. He tried. He failed. And he ran for his life. And he went to Midian. And now for the next 40 years, God will educate Moses in humility, in trust. He will discipline this man that God has chosen to be an instrument of grace to deliver his people from slavery. Now, I've been spending hours every day reading and rereading the story of Moses. He is the only one in Scripture that from his birth until his death is fully recounted in the Scriptures. There are several things that I grasp, that I desire with all my heart, See, my heart cries out for Jesus. I long to be as intimate with Jesus in the flesh as Moses was. Now, in the Spirit, we can be that intimate with Jesus. He invites us to dwell in him. But today, a great lie has been taught. And that great lie is that we cannot be delivered from our slavery. And all of the human race, including Adam and Eve, were taken into slavery by the devil. And the slavery has been cruel and violent and evil. And we see the manifestations of this. I just got a phone call, just literally minutes before I came on the air. It was from a precious woman who needs Jesus, describing what was happening between she and her husband and some friends, so-called. Cursing one another out, anger and bitterness, fighting between she and her husband. My heart pounded within me for compassion and mercy, and all I could say to her was, you need Jesus. She said, I know I do. But she won't go beyond that yet. I pray for the day when she will be delivered from her bondage, from her slavery, to the evil nature of her heart. The slavery of sin utterly takes over a person's life. And the lie of today is that you cannot be delivered from your sin. That even if you come to Jesus, the blood of Jesus cannot deliver you from your sin. 
And you must always struggle in your sin. You must, you're always going to do this. Nobody's perfect, they say. You can't be free of your sin. Direct contradiction to Romans the 6th chapter or 1 John the 3rd chapter or I could give you many other scriptures. It's a direct denial of the scriptures based on ugly beliefs that maintain your slavery. You know, if you take a a raccoon as a baby, put a collar on it, and you link it to a chain, you drive a stake in the ground, and you drop the ring over that stake, and now the raccoon cannot leave that area. He's he's chained. <clears throat> he will do his best to lift that circle up and drop it over the top of that stake. But he can't do it. He's not big enough. He's not strong enough. He can't do it. And finally, he quits trying. He now believes that he cannot be delivered from this slavery of the stake. Now, the raccoon grows up. Now he's a big guy. In fact, he may be as tall as the stake. He'll never try to be free again. Because he believes he cannot deliver himself. Now, we as Christians have been told, you're always going to sin. When Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees himself, and his righteousness is now imputed to you. This lying doctrine has destroyed the effectiveness of the church. It's a lie that keeps us enslaved. And until we're willing to study the scriptures and not base our lives on our experience, but instead base our lives on what Jesus says to us in the word of God, we will not be free. We will be enslaved. And so the church in America is still a slave of the devil. Jesus came and he washed away our sin. He forgave us for our sin. And that word forgave is aphemy in the Greek. And it means he removed our sins. But like the raccoon who's grown up, we don't believe it. We're always going to be bondage to that sin. The slavery is cruel. I want to tell you today, as I read the story of of Moses over and over, my heart cries for the day when we can be as intimate in our body as Moses was with Jesus. In fact, my heart cries out for Jesus. In the flesh and in the spirit. Now, in the spirit, 
I know that I am resting in Jesus. I have chosen to rest in him. I rejoice in that. I rejoice in what he has made me to be. I rejoice in the way he has removed my bitterness and my anger. I rejoice in the way he has given me great compassion for other people. I rejoice in the many wonderful things he has done to transform me into his person. But it's not enough for me. I want more of Jesus. My heart hungers for my Lord. I say to him, in the prayer closet, all manner of things, and then I'd even ask him, Lord, is it appropriate for me to say these things to you? I don't mean to be disrespectful, but there's such a whelming up of love and compassion and mercy that only you could give to me. When I think about the number of people in this world who do not have fresh water, who drink from scummy ponds and get all the diseases and die, do you realize over 300 million people have no fresh water to drink? And the diseases are killing them and rampant. That's the same number of people as we have in America, the American population. The devil has ravaged Africa and many other portions of the earth. As I've looked at these reports, all I could do was weep. When I see the, the incredible work that the mercy ship does, when I see the incredible work missionaries are doing with developing wells, I rejoice. But I need more of Jesus. I lack his power. And he promised that power in the book of Acts. Pentecost. We need Pentecost. We need the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We were not destined to walk powerless in our Christian witness. We were to be set free of all sin and then to walk in the fullness and the glory of Jesus. As I was praying this morning, I was so aware of so many people that I know who are caught in alcohol, who are caught in drugs, who are caught in fornication. Their hearts are lonely. There's a, there's a hunger in them. And so they go to someone and they have an affair. And it only deepens the loneliness of their hearts. Cursing and swearing. Ugly. Some of you may be in that place and you're listening to this broadcast today. I want to tell you, you can be set free. You can leave your sin. 
You can be a new person in Jesus Christ, and your life can take on meaning, and you can do something useful for somebody else instead of spending all of your time and energy running after wealth and money and entertainment and wickedness. These are lessons that we learn as we study the book of Exodus. These are lessons that are very plain to us. Now I'm going to share something with you today that will not be a surprise to you. You know this already, but it needs to be spoken of. Moses has been called by God. He has seen the Shekinah glory of God. He has seen the same glory of God out in the desert that later the children of Israel would have in the Holy of Holies on top of the altar or the Ark of the Covenant. And Moses is told, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I've heard that same commission. The Lord has told me to go to America and bring the people out of bondage. That's why I do this broadcast. And I pray that you will send it far and wide It is clear Jesus wants us out of our slavery to sin. His answer is, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I understand that. That's my response too. So they have a whole discussion back and forth, not just one simple word or dream. No, God is speaking with him face to face. He's told that God will go with him. He's told that God's presence is there for him. But he asks in chapter 4 of Exodus, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord did not appear to you? Don't lie to us. So the Lord said, what's that in your hand? A staff. Well, what's the staff for? The staff is to help you walk in stability. The staff is to lean upon. The staff is to defend. The Lord said, throw it to the ground. In other words, throw to the ground what you depend on. And when he did, it turned into a snake. Well, he runs from it. That was wise. It's a poisonous snake. He's terrified of it. He's seen these snakes in the desert. He's not, he's not new to these poisonous snakes. He knows they kill. I want you to catch this. It's either the staff or the snake in your life. The snake is sin, poison, will give you no rest, 
will not help you walk. It is sin. So the Lord says to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses did, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Please understand, this is no longer now Moses' staff. It's not the same staff he threw down. It's a different staff. It is now what is going to be called in the book of Exodus, the staff of God. You need the staff of God to walk through and to walk out of the slavery that has been imposed on your life. The wickedness, the vile lusting after the things of darkness. You need the staff of God. Now the Lord says to Moses, put your hand inside of your cloak. Do you notice when you put your hand inside your cloak, it immediately goes to the heart? Moses did what he was told. And then he took it out. And the hand was white with leprosy. Leprosy was a dreaded disease. It was very infectious, and it would eat away your hand. It would spread over your body. It would eat away your nose. It would eat away your cheeks. It would kill you. It, again, is a representative of sin. The snake was a representative of the devil. The leprosy is a representative of sin. Now the Lord says, put your hand back in the cloak. Again, put it over your heart. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak. and Then he took it out, and it was fully healed. It was restored. The flesh was normal. Now please, the mighty God of heaven has the power to remove the sin from your heart. He has the power to make you clean. Now, the Lord says, if they don't believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile. Now, the Egyptians considered sacred. It was the source of life for them. They were in a desert country. And when the river would flood, it would pour over all of their farmland, and it would leave behind a deposit of mud of rich nutrient. And this became the source of life for their harvest, for their crops. They worshipped the Nile. Now, 
He's to take water. He's to pour it out on the ground. And it became blood. There is no reconciliation without blood being spilled. The Lord was going to teach this time after time by a whole sacrificial system where lambs and bullocks and pigeons, goats, where they would die, where they would shed their blood. There is no there is no wiping away of our sins without the shedding of blood. The blood of Jesus. Do not make of no import the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus is everything. It is what gives us a cleansing from our sin. It is what restores us. I've tried to talk about this before, but I I somehow am slow of speech. And I don't quite know how or how adequately to speak of this with you. We can sing the songs. We can go to church. We can call ourselves Christians, but have no love for Jesus except some foolish sentimental love. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. So we spend endless hours in our foolish entertainment, in our work to earn wealth. I know people whose entire life is consumed with making wealth because they think that they can somehow buy their happiness. They can be somebody. They can be important if they just have money. They're so foolish. So they they spend their lives trying to gain wealth. And when they don't have it, they're depressed. Or then they spend their lives shopping. Or they spend their lives reading novels. Lies. A novel means a lie. They, they spend their life reading novels. Romance novels. Westerns. Fictional history. They spend their lives reading so that they can escape into a, a vegetative state where they can forget for a moment the pain of their own heart. They want to go on exotic vacations. They have a bucket list of places they want to go and visit and You know where I want to visit? No, not where I want to visit, where I want to move permanently, and that's the heavenly kingdom above. You know what my address is? Revelation 21. My address is in heaven. That's the place I desire. 
And so now all of my actions on this earth have to reflect the reality that my only value is in Revelation 21. That my greatest love is for my Lord Jesus. And now I want to do everything I can to bring his kingdom upon the earth. Of people. I want to free the slaves. I want to call people to live a wonderful, wonderful, happy life in Jesus. I want to turn them away from the foolishness of the professional sports, from going to Baltimore and paying $35 a piece for seats. from going to the movies. These are just demonic distractions. There's no meaning in them. There's no redemption in them. Ah, my brother, my sister, I'm not sure how to even talk about this. My heart is so... so filled with compassion for you. I want you to follow Jesus, not the church, not some preacher. Don't follow me. Follow Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Turn away from the wickedness of this world. Be freed of the slavery of the devil, the serpent. Let the blood spilled on the ground cleanse and wash you and make you into a new person. Now, I want to show you what happened. Moses says to the Lord, You would expect, Oh Lord, thank you, I stand by faith in your wonderful miracle working power. You said you would go with me. I'll go with you, Jesus. I'll go where you're sending me, Jesus. No, that's not Moses' response. Moses at this point is very low in faith. The fact is, Moses wants to go back to his normal life. Moses wants to go back to his normal life. The Lord says, Who gave man his mouth? See, Moses is saying, I'm slow of speech. Well, he probably is slow of speech. He's been in the wilderness and the desert for 40 years, and he hasn't spent much time at home. He doesn't talk to people. He talks to sheep. So, he needs to learn how to talk again. We're told in the book of Acts that he was bold in speech and in action, a powerful man. Not anymore. He's been humbled. He's been humbled. So the Lord speaks to him and says, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? 
Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. This passage of scripture has been very troublesome to me. Who makes a man deaf? Mute. Who makes him blind? This passage says God does. I'm sure it's allowing the devil to have his way in a person's life, to bring the bondage even deeper on his life. This is where my heart cries out for Jesus. Because when the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, comes, he fills that empty part of our heart. And he gives us authority over all demonic powers. And he gives us the ability to heal the sick. He gives us the ability to proclaim the gospel with power that touches a man's heart. He told the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you've received this. In other words, you're going to be ineffective in your human flesh. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now the Lord, this is why I I so love Moses, because God was willing to come and argue with Moses and give him counter-statements of reality. He was willing to come and deal with him. I want God to deal with me. I want God to deal with you. I'm tired of the church in America. I'm sick of it. As I told you yesterday, I've been listening to a number of different prophets and prophetesses. And they're all prophesying a wonderful time of of revival, even in our economy, so that everything is going to be wonderful again and we can walk in joy because the money is flowing and the prosperity is flowing. Are you kidding me? Read the opening of the seven seals. They are now being opened. And you will see nothing there that says that there's going to be a cessation of the judgments of God upon the nations. I pray he will bring forth a remnant who will be freed of their slavery and of their sin, who will stand righteous before God and who will be filled with the power power of the Holy Spirit. I want this. But now listen to this, please. And this is what I wanted to say to you today, but it's a hard saying. But you will recognize the truth of it when I speak it. Moses said to the Lord in verse 13, O Lord, Please send someone else to do it. In other words, he's saying to the Lord, Look, bottom line, I don't want to go. I don't want to do what you've asked me to do. I want to go back. I want to take care of my sheep. I want to live a normal life. You're asking me to do something that will totally destroy my life. I don't want to do it. 
Is there any of that seed in your heart? A man said to me when I suggested that he should probably turn the television off, he said to me, I'd be missing out on all of these wonderful television shows. I don't know what I'd do if I turned the TV off. Well, you'd be free. You'd be out of bondage. You would leave the devil's captivity. But it's hard for someone to even imagine leaving their normal life as a wonderful, prosperous American and follow Jesus. But this is what is required. That we turn away from the world the flesh, that is, our own cravings, and the devil. The world has absolute demands upon us. It says you must do these things. You must earn these things. You must. You have to do these things. You have to get that education. You have to get that job. You have to have those vacations. You have to have what the world has. The flesh says, I want my entertainment. I want the pretty things. I want what my flesh craves. Recognition, power, money. I want what I want. And the devil says, hey, guys, serve me and I'll give all of that to you. I'm your savior. The Apostle John says, leave it all and follow Jesus. So Moses says, bottom line, I don't want to do it. And there is in every man and every woman's heart a comfort in our slavery. Because in our slavery, we know what to expect. Look at the whole story of the children of Israel. They're taken out of Egypt. And when things get tough, they say, why'd you bring us out of Egypt to die in this desert? Why didn't you just leave us in our slavery? At least we had flesh pots to sit beside and all the bread we wanted to eat. There is in the heart of every man and every woman some kernel of desire to not have to change our lives, to remain in what we know because we know how to survive there, we think. Now, we'll die there. It will kill us. The world will kill you. The alcohol, the drugs, the wild parties, they will kill you. Bitterness, anger, cursing, they will kill you. Moses said, oh Lord, I don't want to go. 
Now, I want you to look carefully at verse 13. But Moses said, O Lord, send someone else to do it. Verse 14, And the Lord's anger burned against Moses. You want to make mad God mad? You can make God mad by refusing to submit to what his spirit brings to your heart. When he says, fast, and we say, I don't want to fast. I'll die if I fast. I spoke to a Christian brother, and I said, there are some basic disciplines of the Christian faith that Jesus outlined for us. Prayer, giving to the poor, reading the Word of God, having time with Jesus, and fasting. Well, I don't want to fast, he said. I'd die. You can't live without food, he said. Wrong. You can live without food. You need to live for periods of time without food. One day, two day, three day, a week, two weeks. Fasting is an absolute necessity. But we say, I don't want to fast. Makes God angry. When we push God away, when he calls us to do something, we are grieving his heart. But in his anger... He did not destroy Moses. Moses was his chosen instrument. And so now he begins to speak about something that absolutely captures the heart of Moses. Verse 14. What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you. Can I tell you a secret? God never just works in your heart. He also works in somebody else's heart to bring that together with you as a source of encouragement and joy. That's such a wonderful thing. I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you. And his heart will be glad when he sees you. He's missing you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. And I will help both of you to speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you. And it will will be as if he was your mouth. And as if it were... You will be like God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the miraculous miracles and signs with it. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Let me go back to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are alive. He copped out. Okay, he's going to go. He's going to do what God has told him, but he's not willing to say it out loud. He's going with great reservations in his heart. But he's going. 
not because of God. He's going because his brother is already on his way to meet him. Can I tell you something? Right now, Jesus is on his way to meet you. Is there an emptiness in your heart? Jesus is on his way to meet you. And he is going to call you to leave all sin. He's going to call you to divorce yourself from the world, the flesh, and the devil. And he's going to speak to you. Well, we're out of time for today. We'll pick this study up on Monday, the Lord willing. Tomorrow will be a day of prayer. We're going to cry out for Jesus in the fullness of his Holy Spirit tomorrow. I invite you to call and pray, to open your heart, to be vulnerable. And God bless you as you do. Now, just a quick note. $300 came in yesterday. I thank my dear brother Robert. We're still short $1,344.77. That's what we need to be able to pay the radio bill for the month of July. If the Lord is moving in your heart and you feel these messages are worthwhile, would you help cover the cost of the expense so we can stay on the air? I will not go in debt. Either we're able to pay for the radio expense or we're off the air. So, would you help? You can go to the internet, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. Or you can write to me. The address is National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346. Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 God bless you I hope this has been helpful I'll talk to you soon